be seated this morning. I'm going to read Pastor's text. It comes from Luke 15. Luke 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 24. Luke 15. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them, eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? When he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, piece does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth their friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which has been lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And he said, a certain man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followed to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days later, after the young son gathered all together, and he took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riches living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And when, when, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no, and no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but he was yet a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it. Let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to be merry. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you came after us and that you're coming after us, Lord. That you don't want to see anyone not come to repentance or perish. We praise you for your word is alive, it's living, it's active. Speak to us today and give our pastor freedom and liberty to preach the word of God this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here this morning. I want to thank each and every one of you that have been faithful to the house of the Lord, that has been faithful to the ministry of the palace all of these many years for accepting me as your shepherd. Uh, this is my last sermon this Sunday due to the fact that I'm going to be radically changed. I'm going to be a different man from this day forward. I feel the Holy Spirit calling us into a depth like we have never been before. 
I have tried to lead with integrity. I have tried to lead with honesty, with purity, and with holiness. But no matter how much that we have tried to do, there is more to obtain. And I refuse to sit here idle and sit the way that I've been for 35 years. From this day forward, you're gonna have a different man behind this pulpit. Amen, I believe that. Now, I'm not saying that what we have had has been bad, but you know what? The enemy of great is good, where you just settle for what has been good. And God's got more for us at the palace than what we've tapped into. And it's time for the palace to rise. I said it's time for the palace to rise. You can't rise if I don't rise. Amen. I am challenging myself to go to extreme measures in the spirit. Now, I may have said that wrong while ago. It sounded like I was resigning or something. I am resigning. I'm resigning to what I have been. And next Sunday, you'll see a different man behind this pulpit. And from that day on, I'm going to grow and I'm going to mature and I'm going to be radically changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I accept you to accept that same kind of challenge. I was studying this series and just going over the notes and this, this, this message this morning rattled my cage. And I've, I've taught it before and I've, I've been in it before and it's just like, wow, then, you know, if I'm gonna preach this to the people, then I've gotta do it myself and I've gotta listen to it. Let's look at the book of Luke chapter 15, verse one through 24 one more time. A couple of weeks ago, we started a mini series on these verses of scripture and then I had to leave and then I'm back. So we're finishing up, we'll be finishing up for the next couple of weeks. And we revealed how that what appears to be three separate parables are actually one parable revealing the different people groups within the kingdom of God. They are, they are dealing with the lives of the believer instead of the unregenerated sinner as most people think. I want you to know, we, I, want, I want us to take notice because we got to understand that in these three passages of scriptures, he's dealing with us as believers. He's not dealing with the sinner, even though the sinner can be saved through the preaching of these parables. So that means that we gotta pay attention. What's he trying to say to us? What is he saying to the regenerated? What is he saying to us as church people, as Christians that have been saved for years? We talked about how that, uh, how that all three of these parables have something in common. In each and every one of these parables, there is something that is lost. In the first one, there is the lost lamb. In the second one, there's the lost coin. In the third one, there is the lost son. We also revealed how that in each of them that God reveals relationship. To the lamb, he'll be the shepherd. To the coin, he'll be the owner. To the son, he will be the father. And we see that even though all three of them is lost, God switches roles in how that he deals with each and every one of them. Last week, we talked on the parable of the lost lamb. This week, we're gonna be talking about the parable of the lost coin. The parable, this parable probably describes the church world more than any other parable because we find more people within this category than any other category in the, in the spiritual realm. How many knows that there are different realms of the spirit? There are different levels. There are different dimensions of the spirit. There are different levels of maturity and that we see
see a lot of times that people find themselves in this parable more than the other two parables. As we said last week, the lamb was lost while feeding. It was traveling. It was trying to mature. He lost his journey. He lost his spiritual walk. He was lost within the wilderness away from the fold. He is at lost due to him leaving the fold, but the fold has left him. That the fold outgrew him. The fold matured faster than he matured. And then he was lost not by choice then, but by his own weakness. And let me tell you something, folks. There is a difference you leaving the fold and the fold running off and leaving you. There's a difference in that mindset. There's a difference in that spirit. There's a difference in the way that those kinds of things happen. Here, this little lamb just was feeding and he could not keep up. He did not mature as fast as the house did and the house ran off and left him. The fold ran off and left him. And that we find ourselves many times as believers in that very passage of scripture. Why? Because we may have kept up in phase one of our maturity. We may have kept up in phase two of our maturity. We may have served the Lord for 15 years and we're in stage 13. But when it comes to stage 14 and the house begins to grow to stage 15, we may have lagged behind and we have become immature and we've not kept up in the different levels of maturity. So we can all find ourselves like this little lost lamb. He's lost in his immaturity. He's a lamb. He's got sidetracked. He's lost focus. He's become estranged from the fold. And while the fold went on to better feeding grounds, he struggled in his change. He stayed in one place too long and he found himself lost. How many of you have ever struggled with change? Raise your hand. How many of you have ever said, man, I don't like the way that we're going? How many have ever felt like, you know, it's just hard and difficult to embrace that that I don't like? Come on, we've all been there. And in each level of maturity, you're challenged. In each level of your maturity, you're, you're sitting there and you're being challenged by the Holy Spirit. And when you're challenged, it means it's going against the grain. That he's trying to pull you out of something that you enjoy to take you into something that you don't enjoy. But he's going to try to get you to like the best than he did than, than what you have settled to, which is not the best. And God is challenging all of us in different levels of our maturity. And we may be like that little bitty lamb here. But this little lamb did not stay focused upon the shepherd. He just enjoyed where he was at. He settled and before long we find the fold running off and leaving him and he found himself lost. Lost in a sense of weakness and he became vulnerable to the enemy. He wasn't a sinful lamb. He wasn't an evil lamb. He wasn't an unholy lamb. He was just a misfocused lamb. And there's been times that every single one of us has been misfocused. And let me tell you, it's time to have focus upon what God is speaking to the church. Get ready, church, because we're fixing to start walking in divine enlightenment. We're fixing to start walking in divine order. We're going to start walking in divine favor, and it's going to challenge a bunch of people. And if you're not careful, you'll be like the little lamb. It's time to pay attention. The shepherd's about to lead this congregation, and we're going into the depths and the heights of the spirit realm, and we're going to blow the kingdom of darkness apart. Can I say have an amen? If you believe that, stand to your feet and give the Lord praise for it. Let's see how much you believe it. Amen. Hallelujah, Lord. Have your way in this house. <clears throat> I got to try to slow down because I want to get what the Lord 
really wants me to, and I feel an itch to preach right there just a little bit. But this coin's not lost from the fold. He's not lost in the wilderness, but this coin is lost in the house. He's different than that of the lamb. He is lost in and among the other so-called 99. He's not lost out in the sense, out in the world. He's lost right in the house. While the lamb was lost in ignorance and immaturity, this coin has a definite mark of maturity upon him. The coin has the image of the king upon it, which is a mark of identity and ownership, which is a mark of maturity. He has a loud profession of Christ's likeness by its image that is placed upon it, but yet it is still lost. Now think about that. That blows my mind. How can it be that a person can have a mark of Christ's likeness upon him, have an of the king upon him and yet still be lost. How can he have the earmarks of maturity upon him but yet still be lost? The lamb was lost in the wilderness, symbolic of the world, while the coin is lost in the house, symbolic of the church or the temple or the sanctuary or the kingdom of God. When you were born again, you were born into the kingdom. And though you're born in the kingdom, it's easy to get misreplaced in that kingdom. It's easy to get lost from that kingdom. And this person has not lost his place or position like that of the lamb because this this person is still in the fold. But he's lost his sense of value and he has lost his sense of purpose. You might say he's lost his sense of calling and in the Hebrew the word calling means the anointing. So you might say that this coin represents a person that has lost his anointing, that he's lost his effectiveness, that he's lost his cutting edge, that he's lost his fruitfulness, and yet God has commanded all of us to be fruitful. The tree that does not bear forth fruit, what does God do? He cuts it down and he throws it into the fire. And I'm gonna tell you, it's time for us to recapture our anointing. It's time for us again to come back to the place that we submit ourselves under the lordship of Jesus Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Folks, we cannot do this with our intellect. We cannot do this even with our emotion. We can't do this with goodwill. We can't do this out of a strong attitude. We can't do this out of our talent. We can't do this out of our human ability. We can't do this out of our charisma. It's by the Spirit or it will not be done. And you and I have got to come to a place that we understand that we need the Holy Spirit breathed upon our lives. We need to be anointed of the Holy Ghost. We need the power and the anointing of the Spirit to fall fresh upon us here today. Can I have an amen? Oh God, help me preach. And even though he still holds a life for religious piety, he's seen in the house, he's faithful in the attendance, somewhat he even has a reverence for God, yet his life has lost its purpose and value, and as a result, he's become ineffective and unproductive, and even as a result of that, he becomes unfulfilled, he's not happy. There's a lot of unhappy, unfulfilled people in the house of God. And they want to point blame and they want to say this and they want the truth of the matter is this. If you're unfulfilled, it's your fault. Not my fault. It's not nobody else's fault. It's your fault. Well, I got about eight people that agree with me. Amen. This coin keeps the observance of God on Sunday. He remains faithful to his duty. He's devout to his religious profession and his traditions. While all along, he's lost. He's lost his sense of value and purpose, and his mark of Christ's likeness is tainted 
due to his life of despondency and fiery devotion and worship. This coin, no longer do you see this coin at an altar seeking God. No longer do you see him hunger after spiritual things. He's too good for that. Matter of fact, he's not feeling the need of that. You know, when you first get saved and you ride the altar and you have all of those wonderful experiences and then all of a sudden you begin to mature and before long your maturity will trick you and say you don't need that kind of stuff. I want to tell you the day that you don't need that kind of the stuff is the day you've done got heady and high-minded and puffed up in yourself and this church needs to understand that it needs to have altar activity, that you and I need to hang on to the horns of the altar until God comes down here and radically changes us and we see signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost following after us. We have words of knowledge, words of wisdom. We have the demonstration of the power of the Spirit. Are you listening to me? We need to be radically shaken. We need to be radically changed. We need another Pentecost in the palace of praise. We need another move of God that will stir not only our emotions but get down in the depth of our will. We need people to learn how to commit to the spiritual pursuits of God and to get hungry and to get so thirsty that they get so miserable until God fills them as they hunger and thirst after righteousness. I don't know why, but I just feel like we need to stand and praise him again. I, somehow we need to say, God, let it be me. Let it be Lord, have your way, have your way. Minister to your people here today, God. Challenge us here today in the name of Jesus. This coin has settled to a life of mediocrity. He just maintains the status quo. He's become comfortable, content, satisfied, and there's no real strive for advancement or change. He has arrived, he feels. He has no sense of need for anything different than what he's doing right now. He isn't trying to excel. He isn't trying anything new. He isn't going different places. He isn't doing different things. He, he isn't changing things, but he lives the way that he's always lived. He does church the way that he's done church for 10 years. And let me tell you, if you're in that kind of a rut, you're not growing. We can say whatever we want, but if we keep doing church the way we've always done church as individuals and we keep sitting in the same seat, doing the same thing, singing the same songs, going through the same routines, and yet we never have any spiritual hunger or pursuit beyond that, we are not growing. God, help me right here. He has stopped growing. He has stopped going forward. He has stopped pursuing. He has no spiritual fervor. He has no spiritual zeal. He's not hungry for the things of God. He's not anguishing before the Lord and travailing before the Lord for something deep and moving that'll stir him to service for the glory of the kingdom of God. He isn't having any kind of impact on anything or anyone. He just exists. He goes to work and he goes through the motions, never having anybody challenged by his lifestyle, never having any sheaves brought into the house of God, never having anybody born again under his witness or his testimony. He has no light that he seems to be able to offer that makes any change in the darkness. He just consists the way he's always consistent, done things the way he's always done, and yet comes in the house of God and settles in an isolated place to himself, feeling good about himself, fulfilling duty and tradition and locked into religious piety but the problem of it is he has adapted to a form of godliness but he's denied the power thereof oh lord help me he isn't a mover or a shaker he just kind of stands idle 
He isn't a participator, but really when you look at him, he's just a spectator or a bystander. He'll only do what's comfortable for him to do. He don't want to be challenged. He don't want to get out of his comfort zones. He likes to just stay in that mediocre place. He's just an attender. He isn't growing beyond that which he has found himself content in. This person isn't lost due to moral failure, but he's lost due to a life of lukewarmness. He's lost his touch to the spirit. He has lost his usefulness, and he sees no need to change beyond that which he is. Now let me say that again. He, this person is not lost to moral failure. He's a holy man, wants to live right, wants to do right. He's not out partaking of things that he shouldn't partake of. He's not out doing things he shouldn't do. His maturity has deceived him. He thinks that he's arrived, yet his life has much more to offer than what he thinks and what he's offered within his past. So I want you to know that this is why the apostle Paul said, take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall that you and I must understand that we may have had a great past. We may have great testimonies of how God has used us, but what in the, what's in the past is in the past. The question is, how is God using me today? Come on. He has lost sight of the value of his life and the purpose in which God has placed upon him as a believer. He is contented because he's come to believe that he's okay. The way that he is, though he has lost touch, to what all the other 99 is doing. And I wanna, I wanna just stop right there, just for a moment. Isn't it odd that people can be in the same church, in the same ministry, under the same ministry, under the same preaching, under the same teaching, under the same fellowship, some grow, some don't. Some flourish, some don't. Some love it and enjoy it, others criticize it and fight against it. God help us. Yet this guy feels secure in the place of his contentment. He has settled to a life of conformity. He's just conformed to his, in the spirit. He's lost his sense of value. He's, his lost sense of value has kept him from fulfilling God's will for his life and for the house. You see, your life is not only to fulfill your own agenda and desires, but your life is to fulfill the kingdom desire. God's kingdom, God's will. He keeps operating in the rut, doing what he's always done, yet not finding any kind of freshness from God. I don't know about you, but when I eat something, I want it to be fresh. I am not a leftover type man. My wife gets aggravated at me. She'll, we'll go out and eat and there'll be a little bit left over sometimes. I'll eat my plate, her plate, but I can't eat everybody's plate. <laughs> Amen? And there'll be some leftovers and she'll say, well, we'll take that home. I said, why? We'll never eat it. I'm just not a leftover type guy. And yet, most of you probably don't like leftovers. Some of you do like leftovers. But there's just some things that I, I can't tolerate, and that's one of them. When I eat something, I want it to be fresh. How many likes fresh stuff? But yet, we'll come in the house of God, and we'll eat the same old bread for 30 years and never get dissatisfied with it. We get locked onto a song, and if we don't sing that song, it hurts somebody's, it hurts somebody's feelings because we don't sing that song that we sung for 40 years. I think I'll just quit right there. Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about. The only difference in a rut and a grave, we get caught in those ruts, is death. His sin and lostness, is it caused by doing wrong? It's caused by not doing it all. He's afraid to move out into a new anointing. As a matter of fact, he's come to almost, and this is a different sermon, 
to despise the new anointing. It's almost like that new anointing challenges him and therefore he wants to withdraw into his self-composed isolation. He don't want challenged by it. And then he wants to criticize the other people that's doing it because as a result of it, they're getting recognition, they're getting favor, and all of a sudden, he begins to think they're fanatics and I don't want to be tired. That, that, that kind of anointing almost embarrasses them. Well, let me tell you, let me stop right here. If you're embarrassed by Pentecost, you're in the wrong church. If you're embarrassed by tongues, interpretation of tongues, Gift of prophecy, gift of healings, gift of miracles, signs and wonders, getting slain in the spirit, people dancing in the spirit, people shouting, people rejoicing, people magnifying God, people coming to the altar and welling like they're dying. If you're afraid of that kind of stuff and that kind of stuff is not what you're appealed to, then I'm telling you you're in the wrong place because it's those kinds of things that brings us into an experience and into an encounter with Almighty God and it's what God anoints, it's what God inspires, it's got what God touches. God's looking for the hungry! Hello? This coin's afraid to invest himself in new areas. He's afraid to get beyond the familiar. He's afraid to get beyond the intellect, the things beyond what he can understand. Oh, I'm preaching to us right here right now. He's afraid to go beyond what he's experienced. I don't want to be caught like the man in the parable of the talents when the Lord came to distribute talents and said, I'm going to give you talents and I'm going to go away and I want you to take care of my talents. I want you to bring interest to them and I'll come back in a set time and see how you've done, how you fared. God gave one man five talents, one man two talents, one man one talent. The man with the five talents went out and gained five other talents. The man with the two talents went out and gained two other talents. But when the Lord had came back to see how they had fared, he looked at the man that had the five talents and said, I've gained up five other talents. He was well pleased with what he had. He looked at the other man with the two talents. He said, I've gained two other talents. He was well pleased with what he had. He didn't expect the man with the two talents to get the same amount with the guy with the five, but he gave, two, he gave interest to that which God had gave him, doubled his efforts. Then he looked at the man with the one talent and he said, what have you done? He said, well, I was afraid. I was afraid that I would invest it wrong. I was afraid I'd lose it. I was afraid of what might happen. So I went out and buried it, but I still got the talent for you. And you know what the Lord said to him? You're a wicked and unprofitable servant. And he was cast under the outer darkness where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's serious. Can I have an Amen. This coin has lost his sense of value because he no longer feels that he belongs. He no longer feels like that his life has value or that he can contribute anything among that house because he thinks everybody in the house looks at him differently because he don't conform to what the 90 and 9 is doing. He feels what he has to offer is void or unappreciated because he has a limited view of himself or he thinks that people doesn't see who he is. He has lost sensitivity to the move of God because he cannot endorse the future, but he lives within the past. He's become estranged from what God is doing. And the result is he has lost his fervency in spiritual matters while he pursues worldly ambition. 
Oh yeah, he grows in the secular. He grows in the financial. He grows within the business world. But spiritually, he isn't pursuing or hungering at all. He puts all kinds of effort. He makes all kinds of uh, of ri- he takes all kinds of risk in the natural, but when it comes to the spiritual, he's just wanting to stay right there in his little isolated, comfortable zone and never grow outside of it. And God is speaking to the palace and said, I've carried you long enough. Now it's time for you to start taking some real risk. It's time for you to be, a- be-, be willing to even be embarrassed for the cause of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Somebody's got to get out of where they're at and go to where God wants them to be. I'm that man that's hungering for that. I am pursuing that with all of my heart. God, don't leave me in the pasture that I've been in for 30 years and let me keep picking the same old grass and the same old hillside. Take me to something fresh. Take me to some new land. Take me to some new heights. Give me a new experience. Rattle my canes. Visit with me like you've never visited with me before. I'm not looking for revival like we had it in 1970 or 80 or 90. I'm wanting a fresh move of the Holy Spirit that is literally orchestrated and designed by God himself. He's not being rejected by the house. Let me say this. Lord, help me right here. I'm going to I just feel the Holy Spirit. You know how many people's in the house, but they've become isolated, lost in the house. His lostness is more by seclusion and isolation than it is by rejection. And though he feels rejected, he's not being rejected by the house. As a matter of fact, the woman of the house, which is the bride of Christ, which is the church, has lit a light. Went through the house sweeping it, combing it, looking for him because they see his potential. And yet he has withdrawn himself into a place of isolation. He's become elusive due to his view of himself as unimportant and unvaluable. And he thinks everybody in the house misunderstands him and don't see what giftedness he really has. He no longer feels he has anything to contribute, so he makes himself unavailable. He just builds walls around his life. You know how many people's got walls around their life and you try to get in and they'll let you in so forth and then the boom, that wall will go up. Don't go past this. The very thing that's there to challenge them is not to bring them into a hard work of service. It's to liberate them and free them. Can I have an amen? God's wanting to rattle us here today. His spiritual appetite has been replaced by a spirit of contentment This is caused because he's always been consuming in his past but never giving out. We have a generation that my generation was one of the worst generations of this where we were just a consuming people where we would run to the altar and get all that we could. We'd get filled up and we'd get all excited and we'd get all happy about what God was doing, what God was ministering to our lives. And then we'd go sit down on a pew and then we'd come back the next Sunday and we'd go sit down on a pew. We didn't want to get involved in anything because we was afraid of missing the move of God in the sanctuary. And then all of a sudden we got so fat because we was never giving out 
that we flopped down on a chair and we growed indifferent because the very move of God that filled us up no longer was attractive to us anymore because we took the presence of God for granted. We got filled on it. We got full of it. Have you, have you ever just got turned on to something and just eat it day after day after day and then about the 10th day, oh, I've had enough of that. Somebody know what I'm talking about? You know, we got a new hamburger joint and the line was a mile long. I thought, yeah, that'll go on for about two weeks. They'll get over it real fast. Amen? And that's how we do spiritually a lot of times. And then we just set fat because we never gave out. God can't pour anything in because we're fat, flourishing sheep, gurgitating on our own food because we gained it to heap it upon ourselves and we never really done anything with it. We never made a long-term commitment where we're giving out and giving out. And the more we give out, the more that God pours in and the more that God pours in. God help us. This man's spiritual appetite has been replaced with contentment. His con he is contented because he has come to believe that he can't do anything better and that he's okay the way that he is. So he just maintains. He is deceived into thinking that his moral character reveals enough of the demands of Christ's likeness from his life. His ideology is this. What I have done in the past has got me this for, so he vows to continue to do what he's always done, and he withdraws himself into a life of closure as if his life has nothing new to offer and it is coming to an end. So he settled, and so he has took up camp. His life can't be spent outside of that which he's already invested in or that which he's already experienced. He cannot buy into anything different or new that the Spirit is promoting. A coin, though valuable, yet it is only valuable if it can be spent. It's only valuable if it can be used. It's only valuable if it has purchasing power. What good is a coin in the house if it's lost in the house? What good is a coin if you can't go out and spend it and purchase something with it? You see, it's one thing to be justified by faith before God, but it's another thing to be ready for service in the hand of God. There is, sonship, there is sonship with God, but there's also a call and a man to be the servant of God. He is to be the Lord over your life and not just the Savior over your life. Come on, somebody help me preach. His will, his work, his call, his demand is to be fulfilled and we're not to just fulfill our own desire and our own agenda and determine when we stop working because it goes out of the field of our like or dislike. This is not a smorgasbord religion where you can just come in, oh, I picked that and I choose that and I want that, but I don't want that and I don't want that and I don't want that. Amen? We may be in the home of the Spirit for salvation and yet not be in the hand of the Spirit for service. And when the coin is no longer at the disposal of the Spirit, it becomes lost to Lost, and what good is it for the kingdom if it can't be spent for the kingdom of God? What good is it for you to just come to church on Sunday and get all filled up, but yet you're not pliable to the wishes and the demand of the king that has saved you? Oh, Lord, help me. If we're not in the hands of the Holy Spirit that he might use us by spending us for the glory of God, then we're lost. Even though Christ seeks to save, the Holy Spirit seeks to use Every life is saved for purpose. Every life is saved for purpose. I'm gonna get off my notes a little bit because we're gonna be here too long and I feel kind of like the Lord's bringing it to a close. There's a lot more to this. 
That poor old lamb, he's out there lost and innocent. He just didn't keep up. The church outgrew him. But this coin is among the 99, but kind of tucked itself away, isolated, built walls around himself. And he has chose not to grow any further past than where he is right now. He lives off the past. He lives off the past experiences. Very much devoted to the secular world, the business world, fervent in the, in, out there in the, in, in the uh, leadership, being a leader of the world, but hasn't learned how to become a leader for God. He's a coin. He's had experiences. He's been born again. He's got a mark of maturity. There's a certain level of maturity about him, but he's just kind of tucked himself away, isolated himself, put up a sign, do not disturb. Don't bother me. Leave me alone. Don't challenge me. Don't ruffle my feathers. Don't bring conviction or condemnation on my head. Let me have a feel-good gospel where I come in and you entertain me and I'm able to get up in my giftedness and just flow as I want, shoot from the hip. I don't want structure. I don't want any kind of demands. I don't want any kind of, of, of responsibility or accountability. I just want to be who I am doing my own thing, coming and going as I please in and out of the kingdom of God. Give me a church that will just leave me alone and let me fit in with the crowd and let it be a friendly, seeker-sensitive church that really doesn't push you or challenge you or make you feel uncomfortable to get you from one level to the next. Am I preaching all right? You're saved for purpose. You're saved for purpose. And that purpose is not only to fulfill your little agenda, but the problem of it is this little woman, the bride of Christ, sees those coins and they desperately, she searches for them. She turns on a lamp because she knows they need enlightenment because they're lulled to sleep. They're indifferent. They're cold. They're lukewarm. They gotta have a revelation. They gotta have inspiration. They gotta have something to come by and illuminate to them the will of God. So she takes the word of God, the lidded candle, and she goes searching for it. And she looks for it and she tries to arouse them with the revelation of the preached word of God. Because she sees the potential and yet that same individual that sits there, she judges the church as if the church don't see the potential and that they have rejected him. In reality, he's not been rejected. He has just removed himself and isolated himself from that which God is desiring to do. Huh. If there's one thing the Lord spoke to me, he said, I do not want, especially in these last days, he said, your type of ministry is gonna go under an assault. You're gonna go under an attack. He told me that. Because in the last days they'll have itching ears and they'll despise truth. They'll turn their hearts to fables. 
They won't endure sound doctrine anymore. They want a church where you can come in, get you just a little old guitar, sit down and just real softly play a little guitar. Don't have any kind of real Pentecostal worship. We don't need that no more. We don't need the biblical pattern of worship that's all through the scripture. That everything that hath breath, praise ye the Lord's and the stringed instruments and the horns and the organs and the trumpets and the loud sounding cymbals. Come on. That's what the Lord says how to worship him. Is that not right? But we'll come in with just a little old guitar and get on a stool, drink our coffee in the house of God. Ooh, I feel it tightening. We'll sip on our coffee while we worship and we'll entertain a little bit. And then when we're done, we're going to get up and give a good motivational message. We're going to pump you up. You're going to walk out feeling good because they're going to motivate you. And the charisma instead of the anointing is going to charm you. You're going to be rocked to sleep. And before long, you're going to be so away from the original 99 of God's real sheep that you're going to be so lost and you won't see that you're lost. And everything those sheep does, you'll sit by and make fun of them and despise them and you'll call them radical and weird. They're just a weird bunch of people. I'm preaching out of my heart today. And God says, you getting up and quoting scripture and you getting up and getting in their face and you getting up and getting loud and boisterous and you getting up and getting down and really pouring it out, that is a despised style of ministry today. It ain't that I'm not willing to change, but God ain't told me to change. He said, get more aggressive in it. Cry out, lift your voice like a trumpet, declare my word. I said, God, you put us a blaze of fire. I don't want a lukewarm fire. I want a fire so hot you can't get close enough to roast hot dogs on it. Amen? I'm ready to see a move of God we are called for such a time as this. God has anointed us for such a time as this. And when people come into the house of God and they get saved, they got purpose. And when that purpose is isolated in a corner somewhere with walls around them and they're not giving out of themselves, they're not the only ones suffer. The house suffers because God put them in there to use their talent, to use their giftedness, to take that house where it needs to go. It affects everybody around us. I'm going to have more altar services than I've ever had in my life. I'm going to be a part of those altar services. I'm going to beg. I'm going to beseech. I'm going to say, open my eyes, open my understanding, cleanse me from every evil thought. Let my meditation of my heart be acceptable in my sight, O oh Lord. I'm going to do everything that I know to do to connect with the Spirit of God. I want favor like we've never had favor. I want anointing like we've never had anointing. I want the explosions of Pentecost like we've never had like the explosions of Pentecost. I want the signs and wonders. I want miracles. I I want people to be saved far and wide from the east to the south to the north to the west. I want God to heal our land. I've been that little woman this morning with a lit candle saying you're not lost in sin. You feel good about your holy character, your morality, 
but yet you're lost. You're useless to the kingdom if you're not in the hand of the Holy Spirit to be able to use you on the workplace, in the home, winning the neighbor, being involved in the community, getting cooked up to the church and getting the church. You may be a leader of some kind of a new ministry that will reach the world. Get plugged in. Get it, get, get it organized. Get out there. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm ready. Are you ready? I just feel like I'm preaching to a, 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 quiet, a church here this morning. I want you to stand with me, please. I don't want to lose my effectiveness. I don't want to lose my cutting edge. Lord, don't take the anointing away from me. There's nothing like the anointing of God when you are used of the Holy Spirit to bring someone closer to Jesus Christ, to bring them more into the kingdom, to teach them, to train them, to disciple them. God's calling this church to service, to get ready to be a, a mighty force to be reckoned with in Papa Bluff. Don't make apologies for your church. Don't make apologies for who you are. Man, they're attacking the Christian at every hand. And any Christian is, that is kind of out there, you go under an attack. You've got to be willing to be martyrs for Christ. It's hard, isn't it? We're in a bad area, but the only thing that's going to change our area is they, they, they see something radically different about us. Amen? When they walk in, there's just a sense of energy and life and worship and celebration and love and joy and peace and, and the gifts working and people loving one another and seeing people delivered and seeing people healed and seeing people touched and blessed and seeing people happy and full of laughter instead of isolated, secluded, walls, I come and do my religious duty, but just leave me in my realm. Just leave me here. This is where I want to be. Lost in the house. Lost among the 90 and 9. Wow. If you're here this morning and you say, Lord, we used to sing an old song. Lord, I wish I could sing. Give me another touch. My strength from yesterday is gone. Lord, if you'll just give me another touch, I'll have the strength to carry on. We'd sing that old song, and we understood that we need to touch every single day. There was an old prophet one time he was being schooled by the prophet of Elisha. He was out cutting timber. And his axe head flew off and it landed out in the middle of some water. And he went to the prophet and he says, Alice, my master, I can't no longer build the kingdom. They were cutting logs for the house of the Lord. I can't no longer build the kingdom for I've lost my axe head. In other words, he's saying I've lost my cutting edge. I've lost my ability to be valuable. I've lost my ability to be productive. I've lost my ability to be the, the, the help that I'm supposed to do in building your house. And the prophet looked at him and said, 
well, where did you lose the axe head? And he told him, he said, go back to where you lost it. Some of us need to go back to where we lost it. He went back and then the prophet told him, said, now what I want you to do, cut you a stick, put it in the water. And when he did, the ax head swim to come to the top. The prophet was able to get his cutting edge back and put it on his ax handle and go back to work. Symbolically, that's saying, go back to where you lost it and then when you get there, add Calvary to it, the cross. Repent. Repent of what caused you to become the way that you become. Get rid of your pride and your arrogance. Get rid of your hurt and your pain. Get rid of your faulty thinking and thinking everybody's rejecting me and no one likes me and all that low self-esteem or that too much self-esteem where you're heady and high-minded, think I've arrived and everybody else don't have what it takes to get to where they go, but they don't like my style of ministry. Come on, get, get rid of that idea and say, Lord, forgive me. Make me pliable to your hand. I could take you back to Jeremiah when he seen a work on the wheels and the potter was forming the clay. I work on the wheels, you're the clay and God's the potter. We need to come back down as a, a church and say, Lord, we don't, we, don't know, or we don't know half as much as what we think we know. We gotta come clean and say, we've become a little bit arrogant, high-minded. We've learned how to do certain things and out of that learning ability, we just kind of took that and ran with it. But we've took that for granted and we've not applied the freshness of God to it. We're no longer having the cutting edge that we need to have. We don't have the anointing that we used to house. We're not having the moves of God that we used to have in the land. Though the world as a whole is rejecting it, they're rejecting it because most of the stuff that's going on is not authentic. But if it's authentic, the people are gonna run to it, I promise you. They're wanting it. They're hungry for it. And I ask you today, if, if you're with me, I'm gonna be honest before God and say, I don't know half as much as what I thought I knew. Now, God, would you just renew me? Would you put the ax head back on my ax handle? God, would you take me as a lump of clay and do a work again on the wheel of the potter? Would you mold me? Would you make me? Would you shape me? Would you feel me? Would you pour into me so that I can pour out to others? Can you allow me to be an instrument of service everywhere I'm at? Some of your ministry, you may link here and do a little ministry in the church, but your ministry of the church is being a witness on the outside of the church and bringing them in and getting them assimilated. You know, if you're a caregiver, probably, if you're a nurse, you're probably gonna be a caregiver in the church. That's your giftedness. Don't always have to be preaching or singing or all of that kind of stuff. There's all kinds of giftedness that God wants to open up to this body to where it becomes a live, energetic move of God that's alive and it's brilliant and it's special. That's what I'm hungry for. If you're hungry with me, would you come and join a time of just asking the Lord, Lord, fill me for purpose.